What's going on, ladies and gents? I'm Billy Donnelly, and I'm getting old quickly. Welcome back to another brand new episode of the podcast. For those of you who have been here before, as usual, welcome back. You know the rules, you know the drill, you know the lay of the land, you know what it is that we're here to do. But if this is your first time joining us, also welcome. Welcome aboard on our journey of self-discovery and self-reflection, of introspection and self-improvement. Basically, we try to put in the emotional work week in and week out to be better today than we were yesterday and to be better tomorrow than we were today. Also, to help destigmatize the conversation around our mental health struggles and to encourage you to talk openly and honestly about what's going on in your life within your life. So, what's on the agenda for this week? Well, uh, I know last week I I said I was kind of in a holding pattern. I was working on the self-esteem program, going through this book, I'm doing the exercises. And, uh, and I hadn't gotten far enough to really sort of talk about how that was going. Uh, this week is really no different. Uh, I have not really been able to make progress on it. Uh, it's been really difficult for me to sort of get into it this week. Um... And there's a very specific reason why. Um, this was a tough, a real tough week. And uh, and I say that because earlier in the week, uh, we lost a very dear member of our Droopy's family. And it was very sudden and it was probably very unnecessary and uh and i've really just had a, a bit of difficulty this week really grasping the fact that this was all happening um to sort of cycle back to put some things in perspective uh i know i talked about this uh, a couple of times here on the podcast before about the importance of the Droopies to me. Uh, what the Droopies are was a group of people that got together during the pandemic uh, randomly, a collection of complete and total strangers and sort of an island of misfit toys, so to speak, who organically found each other during a run of virtual piano bar shows that took place over Facebook live during the height of, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, there was obviously, you know, lots of things were still shut down. There was a lot of fear and anxiety, uh, especially in my house, particularly from me, uh, about what the outside world was like. And, you know, trying to keep everybody safe and not sick. And, uh, and to not take any unnecessary risks. And as a result, um, these dueling piano players that uh, my wife and I had met years ago on a cruise started playing these shows. And we were there for day one and they kept on playing and they played for, I think it was like 200 something shows, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in total. And, um, and every night 
uh, this group of sort of regulars would come to the piano bar because we had nothing else to fucking do. And this was this was like a safe, happy place for us with all the shit that was going on out there in the world. This was a place for people to come and feel good and have a, a, a some amount of happiness or joy in their really heavy day. And we just sort of got to know all of these people who kept coming back regularly. And we would sort of just joke with each other in the chat and there were all sorts of inside jokes and this this very organic community came together in this very dark time and really were just sort of there for each other at one of the one of the most difficult points of uh, i think any of our lives and when everything was wrapping up uh, with Drew and Colleen, who were the the players, when everything was sort of ramping up, we made this community, you know, a, a sort of this Facebook community for everybody to just sort of stay uh, in touch and stay together and still communicate with one another and whatnot. Because we had trauma bonded, I guess. We had all gone through this fucking thing. We got through it together and we made it through the other side. And when things started opening back up, the plan, as you, as as we talked about, was to get together in sort of this fucking pilgrimage to this real live piano bar. And uh, and the internet became internet friends became actual real life friends. One of the women who was part of the group was a woman named Wendy. And Wendy lived in Des Moines, Iowa. And Wendy was an absolute champion for her local music scene. I loved going to see all sorts of local musicians playing their gigs, doing their sets. Sometimes would go see two, three performers a night just to go out and support them which was you know I can't even imagine I got a hard time getting on like one show a night this lady was doing like three multiple times a week like hardcore die hard about this and so when everything sort of shut down I think that that closed up for her And she managed to somehow serendipitously, serendipitously, yes, make her way to this piano bar because she had seen the players play years ago when they came through Des Moines. And she was always just so happy to to be there and to be around everybody. She enjoyed everybody's company. She enjoyed the camaraderie. She enjoyed the music. And she was one of us. 
And she fucking hated Tom Waits, who drew the piano player he used to really, really love and respect. I mean, he still does. And he would play it. He sort of got us exposed to more and more Tom Waits, but she fucking hated Tom Waits. And that was one of the running jokes. The way that Facebook Live would work is that once the show was over, it would kick you out of the showroom. Like, the show would be over and it was like, get the fuck out. There was no, like, lasting room or chat or anything that kept going. It was, this is done, get out. And uh, our friends, the piano players, would, would do encores and all kinds of spontaneous hilarious weird shit uh, after the shows and we would always say you know don't leave the show until facebook kicks you out you never know what's going to happen at the end of the show don't leave until facebook kicks you out and wendy knew this because she was a regular and yet constantly wendy would leave early for whatever reason it would miss something and then be sort of shocked that she missed it because she she's like, I thought it was done. And we would say, you know that you're not supposed to leave before Facebook kicks you out. She'd say, I know. But for some reason, I did it anyway. And that sort of became a running joke. I never actually got a chance to meet Wendy. Uh, the first time when we did the Droopies takeover up in the National Harbor in Maryland. Um, and a heavy majority of people came out because it was the first time we were ever going to do this and gather and meet everybody. Uh, I think it was too late for for her to make plans work with whatever her job was at the moment or finances or traveling or, or whatever it was. And, uh, and I remember that there were people, part of this group, once again, who had never met anybody, never met any of us, only knew of each other online as, as frozen image avatars, right, in a chat room. And then, you know, maybe some uh, DMs uh, after the show and, and whatnot. And, you know, I think we had some, a Zoom call or two along the way. But I think there were people who offered to swing through Des Moines because they were driving and they would pick her up and they would take her and, and drive her. Um, but it didn't happen. I think I think she had, uh, you know, I think she had some anxieties and some concerns about meeting uh, complete and total strangers off of the Internet, which is, you know, it's warranted. It's not unfounded. But it didn't happen the first year. Uh, and then uh, we did the sequel. We did Droopy's Takeover Volume 2 the following year. And um, and we couldn't get her there again. For, there, was always, there was another reason why it was that she couldn't go. For some reason, when it came to Wendy in terms of our gatherings, and, you know, I don't, 
I've talked to her uh, a number of times. I haven't really gotten, I didn't really get that deep into it with her, but you know, I, I think that she had, I think it was very easy for her to find ways to get to know convenient excuses in order to get to know rather than, you know, take a leap and find ways to get to yes. And so when it came to the second uh, time, I think there was another reason why it was that she couldn't make it. And we had other people who didn't make it the first time who did this time. And, and some people who made it the first time who couldn't get it out. But for the most part, I believe uh, all of the regular crew that made up the Droopies over the course of several years had come out to one of the events except for Wendy. And when we got together in Detroit earlier this year, a good amount of, of people were able to make it out there, including people that, you know, had made it out before. Once again, some were able to come, some were not. And the one holdout remained Wendy. And everybody really wanted the opportunity to meet her. Because she was such a, an, an, she was such a memorable member of the group. You know, and and you kind of you got to remember the group itself is probably like, I don't know, twenty something, maybe thirty people in total. So it's you know it's smaller but still significant. And everybody just sort of knows everybody. Like, there's nobody that's really forgotten in the group. And so after we met earlier this year, I had stated that my mission was that the next time we got together for one of these Droopies gatherings, that the goal was to make sure that Wendy was there. That... that Somehow, by hook or by crook, Wendy was going to be at the next Droopies one. She was the last remaining holdout, and we were going to get her there somehow. And now that will never happen. Wendy never got to come out to any of these events. Wendy never got to meet any of us, and we never had the distinct honor of meeting Wendy. And, uh, And, you know, and it feels like, it feels like Wendy got left behind. And, uh, and I'm, and I've been, uh, really having a bit of trouble sort of processing that this week.
Wendy died last week. And, uh, and she had been sick for a little bit. And I don't mean like sick, sick. She had had some sort of issue with her leg. She got hurt or something uh, along the way over the last month or so. And I know she talked to my wife pretty regularly about it. You know, my, my wife's a medical professional. So I was trying to, you know, give whatever advice she could or, or, you know, try to coax her into going to get a medical attention for it. And she was in uh, excruciating pain is how it was, it was relayed to me. And I know that my wife told her to, to go to the hospital or to go to urgent care. The last, the last few days uh, before the end, she was extremely tired. She was feeling terrible. She could barely get up out of uh, out of bed. Uh, was sleeping a lot. Just 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 worn down. And she was supposed to start her new job in the days to come. And my wife told her, you know, go to go to the go to the ER or. Uh, and, and the issue was, is that she didn't have any health insurance. She lost her job uh, a couple of months ago. She had no income coming in as a result for those months. And as a result, had no health insurance. It was waiting to start her new job because I believe her health insurance was supposed to kick in almost immediately. And once she started the new job and the health insurance kicked in, then she would go and get seen and get checked out and see what was going on. She was told to go to urgent care. She said, I can't afford it. You know, I'm already I'm already getting a break on uh, not paying rent right now for my landlord because he knows that he knows that I lost my job, but he knows a new job's coming and he's cutting me a break. But she she wouldn't she wouldn't go get seen. And on the way into work. On the day she was supposed to start her job, she collapsed with a medical emergency. And never, to my knowledge, regained consciousness after that. Uh, she was, we were told that that's what happened, that she had collapsed and was, um, Submitted to the ICU. She was in intensive care for a short bit. And it was while there that shortly thereafter she then passed away.
And I, I cannot... The amount of anger that I have for the fact that somebody who is sick and in excruciating pain and clearly needs medical attention is afraid and worried to seek said necessary medical attention because they're worried about what the cost of it will do to them afterwards is is it's not right and it's infuriating This woman, who meant a lot to a lot of people, and who provided love and support to people all over, the system failed her. And it's incredibly upsetting. And it's, you know, the, the, the Droopies group is unique in a way that we have come forth and helped other people in need before. And not even necessarily people who asked for it. Uh, one of the one of the women involved, uh, her husband got into a really serious accident, and people came together and and chipped in and bought like a shit ton of Uber gift cards for them to be able to get around because they couldn't because her husband couldn't drive or and here here it's it's maddening because i know that the community would have absolutely come together for Wendy to help pay for some tar some type of um I mean to help pay some of the bill just to get her seen and she was very proud she would never ask for help And if offered help, she would, you know, she didn't want it. 
And there's this, there's, I had this conversation with somebody just the other day about it. There's, there's this thing. People don't want to feel like they're accepting charity or handout. They think it makes them weak or reliant or whatever. And, um, It's okay to ask for help when you need it. You don't have to do this shit alone by yourself. Just because you haven't figured it out, nobody's fucking figured it out. And if you need some help, Don't be too proud to accept help that's offered and don't be too proud to ask for help when you really fucking need it. Because there is, there's a certain level of guilt that I felt over the last few days that we just, we didn't do enough to help her. And I understand that it's out of my control and I can't, there's only so much you can do, right? And so why beat myself up about it? But, you know, a woman died. And so it's hard to not do that when you know that it was probably preventable. I really would have liked to have met Wendy. And like I said, I know Wendy meant a lot to a lot of people. Seeing some of the people whose lives she clearly touched with her love and support for their musical journey, most specifically, has been absolutely incredible. And I wish that she was here to be able to see just how much that she meant to so many people. With her, her mere presence. She loved music. She loved friends. And so it's it's just been sort of a sort of a devastating week this week. Uh, we did get together and make a donation on her behalf uh, to the Des Moines Music Coalition. Uh, is a nonprofit out of Des Moines, Iowa, uh, that tries to build a stronger and more diverse community in Des Moines. So they support a lot of uh, youth in receiving um, music experiences and education that they may not otherwise um, just support music in terms of the the local scene uh the local scene that wendy so much loved 
and supported. And so uh, if anything that I've said over the course of uh, this episode has hit you in any way, uh, I would ask that you go to uh, DesMoinesMC.com. That's for the Greater Des Moines Music Coalition. So DesMoinesMC.com and make a donation for Wendy on her behalf and in her name. And uh, and that's it. That's where I'm going to leave the show this week. Um, it's it's been tough, and uh, I I really wish Wendy would have had the opportunity to be at one of the things that that. I mean, we got through COVID and then on the other end, on the other side, this is what happens. And it feels so fucked up. It feels like we should have protected her better and, you know, that she was one of us. We will miss you, Wendy, and uh, we will never forget her presence. And the next time that there is an event uh, for all of us for this cause, um, whether in person or, or virtually, her absence will definitely be felt. And so uh, I'm just going to I'm going to end with a quote that I think sort of embodies who Wendy was and what Wendy was all about. Uh, And it's by Irving Berlin. And it says the song is ended. But the melody lingers on. I'll see you next week.